Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Let's start with Neil Gorsuch yesterday. You know, a folksy guy, a nice-looking guy. You know, looks like a guy might be okay to have a have him and his wife over for dinner. Sure. Right? Have a beer, have a drink well or behaved. something. Well-behaved. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, vote for him for the Supreme Court. Hell no, hell no. Um, Neil Gorsuch was... Um, uh, asked some tough questions yesterday by by Democrats. First of all, he says, uh, "On the, here, here's a big issue: is whether he could ever make a decision contrary to the man who appointed him to the Supreme Court. That's a very important issue when it comes to certain uh, cases, like maybe waterboarding, or a Muslim ban, or Roe v. Wade, or you go down the list." Right. Now, Gorsuch says he's independent. The judiciary has to be independent and he'd vote against anybody. I have no difficulty ruling against or for any party other than based on what the law and the facts in the particular case require. Senator Dianne Feinstein wanted to know not would you vote to reverse Roe v. Wade, but uh, would you agree that there is a by now since 1973 a certain precedent behind it. Do you view Roe as having super precedent? Well, Senator, a super precedent is a... a, In numbers, 44... It it has been reaffirmed many times. Yeah. I can say that. Yes. Which does give it some authority, legal authority. Now, by the way, there were a couple of things that he was asked about where he said that is the law of the land. Yes. Notice he didn't say that for Roe. Yeah. Oh, right. You know, like but he, he did, he's leaving the door open for he that. He did say, if you believe him, which I don't. No, no, no. You shouldn't. Uh, that Donald Trump never asked him, even though Don. So one of them was lying. Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump said, "I'll never support anybody unless they take the pledge." He said. He said there would be a litmus test. That's and that's it. On one issue, only one issue, he said, Roe v. Wade. That's it. And they, he has to know they would vote to overturn it. Gorsuch says Trump never asked him that question. So, And he said if Trump had asked him that question, he said in response to a question of Senator Lindsey Graham, he would have walked out. Um, Senator Diane Feinstein, continuing there for a second, she also raised the issue of NSA and the massive wiretaps uh, or listening in on people's phones. Do you still believe that the president has inherent authority, this is important, to intercept the communications of Americans in the United States that cannot be legislated away by Congress? Goodness no, Senator. Goodness no. Goodness no. Yeah. He said Goodness that. no, Senator. Uh, uh, 
Dana Milbank has a column this morning about that. He said, goodness. I mean, how many people say goodness? My grandmother oh, used to goodness, say goodness. Oh, goodness, no. Oh, goodness, no. Oh, heavens. Yeah. Goodness, golly. <laughs> goodness, great golly gosh. Uh, but he said Someone get me close to my fainting couch. I might fall out. <laughs> he said it about 12 times yesterday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> He yeah. sounds like Medea. It was sort of like an Ozzy and Harriet kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, my goodness. Back to the days of, right? Oh, Lord. <laughs> right, character, character, uh, right out of the, uh, right out of the, right out of the 50s. I think we know why Ted Cruz was staring at him adoringly all day yesterday. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and he, uh, he's, he talked about, Criticism of judges? Uh Uh-uh. He doesn't like any part of that, no matter who does it. When anyone criticizes the honesty or integrity, the motives of a federal judge, well, I find that disheartening. I find that demoralizing because I know the truth. Anyone, including the president of the United States. Anyone is anyone. Because no person is above the law, including the president of the United States. That's right, Senator. Uh, that's Senator Blumenthal, who is chiming, chiming in there. Now, here, he doesn't like it when anybody does it. Not even the president of the United States. Oops! I guess nobody told Donald Trump that last night, speaking at the National Republican Congressional Caucus dinner. Here's Donald Trump. The courts are not helping us, I have to be honest with you. It's ridiculous. Somebody said I should not criticize judges. Okay, I'll criticize judges. <laughs> there that, he is. Take that, Neil Gorsuch. That is such a peek into his mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody right. told me I shouldn't criticize judges. So I will. I'm going to criticize judges. Yeah. It's okay. Right. I'll criticize judges. Yeah, yeah. I don't care what Neil Good Gorsuch. grief. I don't care what Norsage, Neil Gorsuch said today. I just want to show you who's in charge. Wow. Why, I'm in charge, and I'm going to criticize judges if I want to criticize judges. So here's the deal about Gorsuch. Okay, just wrapping up here. You know, there's a big, there's a lot of angst in Washington about what Democrats ought to do about Neil Gorsuch because he's a family man. He looks nice. He looks good. You know, he's well respected in this community. Apparently, he's a black diamond skier or whatever. You know, he's he's got like everything going for him. So. What are Democrats going to do? He's such a good man. We can't oppose him, can we? Hell yes. What should Democrats do? This should not be a question. Democrats should vote against him. And this is important. Why is it important? Because Republicans, they may control the Senate, but they only have 52 votes. They need 60 under the rules. They need eight Democrats. So no Democrat, not one Democrat should vote with Gorsuch. And I don't think this is this is a no-brainer for me. I mean, this question about what should Democrats know, vote against Neil Gorsuch. I'll give you 10 reasons why they ought to vote against Neil Gorsuch. Number one, he's appointed by Donald Trump. Boom. That's End it. of story. Say no more, man. That's, that's enough for me. Anybody Donald Trump appoints is not going to be somebody that we want on the court to decide our issues. Number two, payback for Merrick Garland. Yeah. President Obama nominated Merrick Garland. He had every right to. He was still president of the United States. It was the beginning of 2016, uh, and the Republicans would not even give Merrick Garland a hearing. So hell with it. Treat them the same way. Do not 
Do not let Neil Gorsuch get Merrick Garland's seat. Number three, think about this. This is going to put the Supreme Court, this is an opportunity to turn this court around. With Neil Gorsuch on the court, this will put this court in a conservative right-wing direction for the next, who knows, 25, 30, 40 years. So this is a this is an opportunity. This is a turning point. Number four, Gorsuch says he's an originalist, like Antonin Scalia. I mean, that's insane, that whole theory originally, that, that the Constitution only means what the founders said it meant back in you know, 1789 or something. I mean, it's crazy. This country has evolved. One of the reasons we still have a republic and we still have the Constitution is because people have interpreted the Constitution as it go along to, goes along, as we go along, to fit the times. You've got to live that way. You can't live in the past. It's a stupid, silly argument. Number five, he has shown in, in his decisions, look at his record, and there are many places you can look, um, by uh, people for the American way, for example, um, that he his record shows he is pro-business, pro-big business, anti-workers, and anti-consumers in, in, in decision after decision after decision. Number six, one of those decisions, Hobby Lobby. He's a guy who says that Hobby Lobby is right, that they can say our religious faith prevents us under our religious faith, we've got a right to deny contraceptive coverage in the insurance of our employees, which is an outrageous decision by this last by this uh, Roberts Supreme Court, and uh, Merrick Garland supported that on the federal district level. Um, the seventh reason is we don't know where he stands. And these seven, eight, and nine, and ten, if you will, these are important issues. And he, we've no indication where he stands. And without that, I wouldn't risk it. One is this uh, so-called Chevron deference, which, boy, talk about a crazy legal term. But what it means is if there's any doubt, the court has ruled that you should let the agency decide how they're going to carry out a new law or a new regulation, whether it's the Interior Department or the EPA or transportation. Because, you know, the laws passed by Congress don't necessarily Fill in all the blanks. Fill in all the details. It's up to the agencies to enforce those laws and implement those laws. Chevron deference says you give, and that's how, for example, the Supreme Court, Robert Supreme Court, said it was up to EPA to decide how they carried out the Clean Air Act. And if the Clean Air Act meant some tough rules on new coal plants, for example, then the EPA was right to issue those rules. Where does Garland stand on that? We don't know. Where does he stand on Roe v. Wade? Again, we really don't know. All he said was if Donald Trump had asked him, he would have walked out of the room, if you believe that. I don't believe that. I don't either. And Peter pointed out he has not said Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, therefore it shall stand. On the Second Amendment, no decisions by Merrick Garland on the Second Amendment. Uh, I think uh, coming from Colorado, uh, if I may say, and also coming from Donald Trump, we know where he stands on gun safety. Not good. And finally, on the Muslim ban, he's going to be asked to deal on that probably soon were he on the court. Uh, and he refused to say yesterday how he would stand on what two courts, three courts already, four, including the district court, have already shot down. Uh, there's, enough that, there's enough out there about the Muslim ban he could ask that question. So those are 10 good reasons I say Democrats get some backbone, get some spine. 
think about the future of this country and the American people. Vote no on Neil Gorsuch. Tomorrow is the showdown on health care. They are scrambling, uh, trying to round up enough votes and keep making little changes to the bill to get a vote here or there. How's it going? Leslie Duck is the campaign director at Protect Our Care, uh, sort of an umbrella organization that's pulled together by a lot of different organizations to oppose this Republican health care plan. Leslie, good to see you. Good to see you, Bill. All right. Now, there are they also talk about that this is only the first. There's, this is a three-prong approach. Well, what are the other prongs? And so we're supposed to, if there's something not in this, we're supposed to trust them, vote for this, and then all the other good stuff that we want is going to follow. It's part of the second level or the third level. Yeah. I, I, I think. I mean, I can't, isn't that just basic? BS. Yeah, I think this was invented by whoever, you know, Sean teaches Sean Spicer how to give a good press briefing because <laughs> basically it'll, whenever they or buy suits or buy suits, <laughs> but it, allow, it allows basically anytime you don't like something, they say, oh, don't worry, it'll we'll be fix a- that in phase three. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> like, don't worry. They're making it up as they go along. It, no, I hear that yeah. all the time. Tom Price keeps saying, well, yeah. that's in phase three. That's yeah. the third now, this is only the first prong. So who knows what that even means. But the, uh, we shouldn't, unfortunately, though, there is phase two you should be a little worried about. Because oh, okay. phase two is what, is what Tom Price does when he goes back to his office. Oh, uh, so that's where he undermines health care without rules, needing Congress. Rules and, and regulations. Rules so. and regulations. And, yeah. and, and look, this is maybe the greatest threat to us all uh, in this administration of the things you don't see. Mm-hmm. You know, folks like you can spend a lot of time on an issue like this. There are a lot of issues never make it on the air. People right. don't see it. Tom Price is a specialist. That's phase two. Right. And and by the way, people ought to know about Tom Price. I mean, he's public enemy number one of Obamacare. He's voted 67 times. He's probably had the most, a bill so draconian, even Tom Ryan wouldn't bring it up. Uh, uh, Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Right. I'm but, sorry, Paul. No, to yeah. Tom Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of nice Tom Ryans out there. Right. So, I mean, th- you know, this is something Price has wanted to get his claws into for a long time, right? And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he's hired a very, brought on a very capable person to run the part of the government that is actually is responsible for. Uh, Medicaid and Medicare. So it's a little part of government that gives away $940 billion a year, or I should say, you know, helps Americans with $943 billion a year. And it's run by somebody who was Mike Pence's consultant in Indiana. You don't really need to know anymore, but yeah. an extremely capable person. So it's a, it's Tom Rice, a uh, Tom Price right. and, and uh, the new head of CMS. And together, unfortunately, they can cause a is lot that, of damage. Is that the, this woman? Yes. Now? Seema Varma. Seema. Seema Varma. Yeah. But she's very, she's very talented. So if you don't like the direction she's going, she's very talented. What can people do? Well, you know. There's a big rally today, I know, on the steps of the Capitol. There's a big rally on the steps of the Capitol. But, you know. With uh, Vice President Joe Biden. Yes. And Jerry Brown, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, yeah. and I think some people who really are are being helped today by Obamacare. So that's, that, I mean, that, that's good to get the word out. But look, these people are, the members are nervous uh, because they know 
that 24 million people are going to lose their insurance. And it, it, you know, the biggest issue in health care is that it's too expensive. So here they are giving the American people a bill that make, oh, we're going to make your health care more expensive. Mm-hmm. Oh, prescription drugs? Oh, nothing about that. Um, so I think what people need to do is pick up, frankly, is pick up the phones and call their senators and call their congressmen. That, because this is going to be won and lost back home. Um, and what members of Congress need to understand is that this isn't like putting a notch on your belt. It isn't ideology. People are going to get hurt. And as elected officials, they need to worry uh, that people who are going to get hurt, it might actually affect how they vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have told you that before, but uh, jot it down again. Two two four three one two one two zero two 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 four three one two one. Uh, I still use that if I want to call a member of Congress, unless it's a friend I happen to know his or her uh, private office number. Uh, But that gets you to the switchboard in the Capitol, and they usually give you a choice of uh, um, whether you want the House or the Senate, whatever you ask, whoever the operator answers, they'll put you right through to the office uh, and leave that message. Uh, On that point, Leslie, and Leslie, Doc here again from uh, Protect Our Care, Part of the families, family, you're with Families USA, I guess, which is part of Protect Our yeah, Care, right? I'm actually, you know, just uh, uh, was the senior counselor at HHS for a number of years. Oh, you were also. And so oh, okay. After I left that, yeah, and the election happened. Right, you're into this. I'm into this. I'm, I'm, I, the, the reason I ask yeah. is that I'm directing people to familiesusa.org. Is that the yeah. place to go? That's great. And also, there's a website called savemycare.org. Savemycare.org. Okay. Uh, where folks can go on and find ways to be connected to their members of Congress, get the latest facts. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. The most critical week so far in the Trump presidency after a disastrous week last week. We'll see how this one goes. Um, Not off to a great start when the FBI director basically called you a liar on day one. Um, Now the challenge is whether or not he will get votes for health care tomorrow. And whenever they have the vote, whether he will get his nominee on the Supreme Court. That's um, the focus of Sam Baker here from the National Journal. Tell us about the frozen trucker. The frozen trucker was uh, a trucker, a truck driver, uh, who was driving out west on a long haul. He pulled over to the side of the road because he had missed a refueling stop and realized that the brakes on the trailer that he was hauling had frozen. It was that cold. So he thought, well, I can't drive this the brakes are frozen that's very unsafe to be on the road so he pulled over and called his dispatcher and said what should i do and they said we're going to send a repair truck just stay there a couple little while later he woke up in the cab of his mm-hmm. uh, truck obviously he had fallen asleep he couldn't feel his feet he was starting to not be able to feel his torso when you fall asleep and start to lose feeling you're maybe about to freeze to death it yeah, was like 14 below i think where he was 
He called again and said, hey, this isn't okay. They said, stay put. Oh. We're going to send a repair truck. So he unhitched the the trailer where the brakes were frozen and drove the cab off to sort of try to find some help. Eventually the repair truck got there and he drove back. They fired him for, leave, for disobeying the order that he was given to stay with his trailer. He sued, said, you weren't allowed to fire me. There is a law that says you cannot fire someone for refusing to operate their vehicle out of a concern for their safety or public safety. Mm-hmm. So majority of the court said that law protects him. Gorsuch wrote a dissent that said, no, he didn't refuse to operate his vehicle. He operated his vehicle. Therefore, by the strict meaning of the statute, this firing was justified. It might have been wrong. It might have been immoral. But it was legal. Hmm. So, you know, you can see where he's coming from, right? Yeah, there's a difference between doing something and not doing something. At the same time, this is a statute that's there to say you can you can do the thing you need to do to not freeze to, to not death. die. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. kill somebody else dragging right. a thing behind you with yeah. no yeah. brakes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It feels so to me that this like case. strict <laughs> interpretation of yeah. these things like that is no, what, is what like ends up killing people. The letter of the law, right? Right, right. Like, there's some wiggle room there. Yeah. Are you going to freeze to death and, and how, die? How did he defend it yesterday? Uh, he d- pretty much on the same lines that anyone would attack it. He said, maybe there should be a law that says, you know, maybe they should change it and say you can't be fired because of how you choose to operate your vehicle. Or change the wording. But the wording was the wording, and I go with the strict meaning of the words, and this was the result that mm-hmm. that dictated. So, what happens today? Today we have uh, more rounds of questioning, a little bit shorter, thankfully, for me at least. Uh, every <laughs> senator gets 20 minutes instead of 30. I think we'll probably... Speed round! Yeah. <laughs> Unless Democrats figured out a great strategy in the last 12 hours since yesterday broke. I think we'll see more of the same. Probably still pretty scattershot. Uh, he'll probably continue to avoid most of the questions he's asked. And, um, you know, really we're just waiting to find out whether the filibuster lives or dies. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only – I think he'll be confirmed. Uh, I think he'll be confirmed pretty quickly with some Democratic votes. And will it be 60 or will they just sort of wave off the 60-vote threshold or will they go full nuclear? All right. So um, before we get nuclear, they need 60 votes under the current rules, correct? Mm -hmm. Republicans have 52. Uh, Have any Democrats yet said that they would vote for him? I don't think so. Um, But especially as Not that I know of. No, I I don't don't think so. I mean, we have our suspicions. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a hard (coughs) time. Joe Manchin. (coughs) Go ahead and put Joe Manchin in the I think we can say that's a yes. I think we can safely do that. Uh, It's not hard to see, especially if you take cabinet nominees as a barometer. You know, he's A, more qualified for the job than a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And B, will not be implementing the Trump agenda. You know, he will be independent once he's confirmed. The number of votes that some of those cabinet nominees got, I think, suggests that they will get probably close to 60. Right. I don't know if they get all the way there. Right. But, you know, I, it's it's not hard to imagine him getting 57. Right. So. And so either at that point, let's say he gets 57, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, he then, the, the, Mitch McConnell's choice is 
they either lose the nomination or they change the rules. Right. What does he have to do to change from 60 to 50? Uh, you can do that with 50. So he just has to hold a vote and it's done. Right. I mean, he and could. That's a so-called nuclear option. Right. Right. Yeah. There is some thought that a couple of institutional, you know, Lindsey Graham, maybe Orrin Hatch. I think that putting Orrin Hatch on this list, I think, is a like six year old understanding of Orrin Hatch's politics. But uh, maybe some of those guys would vote against it, in which case the rules could not be changed. But that's like this is almost sort of Democratic fan fiction here that like you could block Gorsuch and then get enough Republicans to block the rules change. And then what would happen would be Trump would have to come back with another nominee. <laughs> But a lot of things have to go right in a campaign that is not particularly mm -hmm. well-waged. When does this play out? How soon? Uh, I think we're going to have a committee vote April 3rd. I think that's oh, so right. So they want they, no, then, no vote this week? No, not this yeah. week. Uh, but before the April recess. I mm -hmm. think they're hoping to get a floor vote before then. A floor vote? Yes. Right. Yeah. So pretty and, soon, within and, the next month. Right. And there's no other committee that holds hearings, right? So, and, and is today the last day for Senate Judiciary? Uh, probably. They they can go into tomorrow, but, but they have some other outside people who want to testify. I was going to say, isn't there a, a, an opportunity for outside groups then to come in? and? There is. So right. that'll, that'll start whenever they're finished with Gorsuch, which will probably be today. So they could have that, the panels tomorrow, yes. let's say. Yes. Right. Think Progress, uh, you know, you hear us talk about it a lot because it's a great organization doing great work on many fronts. Uh, and we've got two of the leading journalists from Think Progress in this morning. Jack Jenkins, a senior religion reporter. Uh, Jack, nice to see you back. Glad to be here. Uh, and with uh, Jack, his colleague uh, and cohort with criminal justice issues at Think Progress, Karima Towns. Hi, Karima. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Thanks for having me. So um, it has been, what, two, three years now since uh, Eric Garner in New York, um, right? We saw that tragic case uh, in the video that came out, and you have discovered some new details about that case. Right. Been about three years, right? Yeah. So he was killed on July 17th, 2014. 14, mm -hmm. yeah. And his, his was one of the cases that really got the police conversation or the conversation about police violence going. That 2014 was a really big year. And because there was video of the encounter, his case became sort of one of the, the, the symbolic cases that the country saw and discussed Um so yeah, we and one of the saddest too. I can't was, breathe. I can't right. breathe. Yeah, right, remember. I, I think those that that really hit hit people hard. Um, it became it, a rallying cry at protests. People would chant, "I can't breathe." It was, it, I mean th that video more than others. I think really yeah. struck a chord for a lot of people. You watched a man die. Mm -hmm. And not in a very quick way. It wasn't just like the cops had a oh, moment right. of bad judgment and shot somebody and, oh, my God, this person is gone. Mm -hmm. You watch them slowly choke the life out of somebody. Right. 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 And that yeah, struck a chord with, a, like, everybody. That, to me, was the video that was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and one thing about his case, too, is, you know, a lot of these videos, you sort of see, like, the immediate aftermath of it. So last year, Philando Castile was shot in his car, but you didn't actually see the shooting. But with, with as you said, you saw the moments before the chokehold, um, 
You saw his conversation with several officers um, who had approached him in Staten Island. You saw him say, you know, like, please, you know, why are you keep harassing me? Like, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. So you saw it play out. And it was sort of the first time I think myself included. I think it's the first time a lot of people really saw what something like that looks like from start to finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. totally. And th- there's a there's a moment in that video where he says this ends today. Uh, Gardner says that because mm-hmm. clearly this has been something that he's been mm-hmm. dealing with. And I think a, a lot of people who don't necessarily understand that struggle of what it's like to get harassed by police all the time really got some insight into that on uh, that video. Yeah. And before we get to the new stuff you've discovered, but and the chokehold was already outlawed had had been hadn't it by use use of it by police yeah so it's it's still technically legal in the state of new york but the practice was unauthorized it you know it was no longer a prohibit Mm. or yeah it was it was prohibited by the nypd at the time nypd yeah so that was part of this big that was a big aspect of the case is like not only had he died but he was killed with an illegal move or Illegal is a triggered term, but he was he was killed by an unauthorized move. Yeah, right. yeah. Prohibited by the NYPD. Yeah. Right. And, of course, though, uh, he was guilty. I mean, the, the public safety of New York, everybody in New York, was threatened by the fact that, that he was committing such a serious crime, right? He yeah. He was selling cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. You know, just the worst thing you and, could And, and yeah. so, uh, to be clear, he was accused of selling cigarettes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. In, a, in the video, he says over and over, you know, like, I, I, I'm not selling anything. And and, and I, I, I do need to go back and, and look at the case from before. It's my understanding that he had been caught selling loose cigarettes in the past. And so, oh, when they yeah. got this call oh. that he was doing it, I think that they, not, I mean, not to justify anything that they did, but um, I think that's where the this ends today comes from. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, regardless of if he was or not, to have many, many officers jump on you for selling or allegedly selling cigarettes and then to die over something so mundane, mundane, so no, it's just just, it's such an arbitrary thing. Right. Right. And so in this pantheon of people that whom now whose names we all know from Trayvon Martin to Michael Brown to Tammy Rice, Eric Gardner is certainly one of them. What what right. new have you, looking into it, have come up with? So the officer who, who, who was involved, who, who did the chokehold, is um, Daniel Pantaleo, and he is an NYPD officer. And the um, one of the things that... Is, was. Is. is. He is an, he is still... He, is, he has been taken off of the streets. He now has a desk job. But he is um, he is still employed by the NYPD, and he became uh, that action became a flashpoint because it says you know why should police officers be allowed to do this now? Uh, um, last year it came to light. Last year, year and a half ago, it came to light that he had had one previous infraction. This idea that um, he had during he he had stopped and um, used abusive power. Um, with someone, and they had they, they had uh, there had been this back and forth between what's called the Civilian Complaint Review Board or the CCRB and the NYPD, and the CCRB recommended because they're the ones who hear complaints about police officers. Mm-hmm. They recommended <laughs> that um, in this case um, that he should have had you know eight vacation days taken from him. Um, the NYPD oh, no, eight days taken from him. Period. The NYPD took only two vacation days. 
what we got for killing somebody not for killing someone this no, is this a different, a oh, a different guy. i'm sorry guy. okay All so right. what ended up happening is we got from an anonymous source his entire disciplinary record what appears to be his entire disciplinary record from the ccrb um these are records that the ccrb and the um, city of new york currently are prohibiting um journalists from accessing um and from lawyers from accessing as well and what it revealed is that um, in addition to before Sorry, before his encounter with Aaron Garner, Daniel Pentaleo had seven different complaints made against him in the CCRB. Not just one, seven. 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 Yeah. Of those seven complaints, um, four ha- there were four substantiated allegations. That means that four times the CCRB said this happened, and they recommended charges, which is the highest form of police discipline, to the NYPD. Um, all of, and just ahead. to be clear, they're not criminal charges. They can't recommend criminal charges before char- charges is, like he said, the the worst punishment mm-hmm. um, that it has the authority to recommend. And it can mean suspension, termination, lost vacation days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and to put that in perspective, um, only around five percent of NYPD officers have that many complaints, as many complaints as Pentaleo did before. He had his encounter with Garner and only two percent have as many substantiated allegations as he did before his mm-hmm. encounter with Eric Garner. So the question arises and what we spend a lot of time in the piece talking about is, you know, why was someone like this, a police officer like this on the streets? Were they being monitored? You know, should they have been should there have been um, harsher police discipline? Um, because the other thing, the subtext here is that the CCRB recommended charges, but that's not what the NYPD did in several instances. They they used lesser penalties for Pantaleo. Mm-hmm. All right. So of the four where they recommended, what happened to, to in all of these seven, particularly of the four where they recommended charges? Was, uh, was he disciplined? So for, yes, for for the case, for this case that he mentioned he was found guilty of one of the allegations but the other he was found he was cleared by the NYPD so what they did was they took away his two vacation days um, rather than looking at the CCRB's you know mm-hmm. recommendation and, and it was very clear that they wanted charges for both it was it was a stop and a uh, stop and is it the well, stop and frisk or the that stop was the and stop search? that was the stop were, and frisk were all of yeah. these seven uh, uh, complaints about abuse physical abuse Abuse of authority no. or no? Well, well, we don't know exactly what happened in these seven cases, right? That's what the documents don't reveal. They don't. The exact specifications right. okay. of the case. So when it says abuse on the documents, it's an abuse of his power. So but to be clear, the, the, the four substantiated cases were for vehicle stops, a vehicle search, and then a regular stop and a regular search. But there are other allegations that weren't substantiated, and there's that's a, kind of a whole other component of this, but... They were for physical force. Um, and again, you know, the CCRB did not find enough evidence to to verify that that's what happened. But there was an allegation that he hit somebody with an, an, an inanimate object. There was an allegation that he used some some other sort of physical force, an allegation. Um, was there another? Yeah, there was a third one. What I think it's important to note, though, at this point, is that so substantiated means that the CCRB said we have enough evidence. We we think this this happened, and we and there needs to be police discipline. Unsubstantiated doesn't mean not guilty mm-hmm. per se. Yeah. What unsubstantiated means is it becomes a he said, she said between the officer and the the complainant. 
And so several of these are unsubstantiated, which doesn't necessarily mean they didn't occur. And to be fair, they may not have occurred. Right. Um, I, I think it's if anybody's going to go to the to complain about an NYPD officer, I don't think they would make that up. But in in his, I mean, in his defense, he but he might not have done it. Um, but at the end but, of the day, the raw the raw number of complaints and the raw number of substantiated allegations puts him in a different category than the vast majority of NYPD. Well, officers. it also, it, as you point out, it certainly raises, uh, I think, two big questions. At least one is. Why was he on the streets still right. after having seven complaints led, uh, you know, filed against him? Uh, and then two, why is he still on the force today uh, after what happened with Eric Garner? And the video doesn't lie. I mean, so so I mean, and is there is there any can people file more complaints against him? What do you do about this? Is there any recourse? The public have any recourse? No. So, so, so one thing that, that we didn't really get into in our piece because we, we we looked at some other the kind of the tricky legal battles with with him. Um, but the the New York Police Department or any any police department in the country, they have really really strong union representation. So in a lot of these cases where we where we see something like this chokehold or we see somebody get shot on camera. The union representatives can step in and say, well, he's protected until he, he's just, you know, he has these protections. And so it's really hard to fight officers legally because they have reasonable doubt to, they have the benefit of, re, of reasonable suspicion, excuse me. So so, so somebody like this, you know, he's, he's on desk duty, which is sort of the way of saying, okay, we're going to investigate this. Um, but we can't really fire him because if they fire him, um, the union, the union, it's the patrol, uh, the patrolman benevolence association is is the represent the, they they represent I think most of the NYPD officers, um, and because they're going to step in and say whoa 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 he was doing his job, so it's it's really hard to to oust anybody from any police department, let alone discipline them. Right. No. So it's no, sort of is, remarkable uh, that he uh, no, got his vacation days taken I, I, I away. Just, I just want to say, as a union man and a lifetime union member and proud of it, uh, that I, I've spoken before, and I'll say it again, you know, the police unions give us all a bad name, I think, because I've seen in every single case where the police officer from OJ on right, has been accused of, and, and, and there's no doubt that they've abused their power and their violence and and, and their the violent behavior. In every case, a police union always stands up and defends right. them. Always. Right. I've never seen them say that a police officer did anything wrong. And that's just, that's just wrong. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is the Bill Press Show. All right, now, I have to admit that uh, we had to be careful using the word a liar, even for a president of the United States, because a liar is somebody who knows that what they're saying is not true, but they say it anyway, just simply with the intent to deceive. For example, President Obama did not lie when he said that uh, under Obamacare, everybody could keep the insurance if they liked what they had then. That's what he had been told. Turned out not to be true. And George Bush probably didn't even lie when he said that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. He'd been convinced of that probably by Dick Cheney. 
But Donald Trump, no way. He lies. He lies all day long, all the time, about everything. In fact, it's hard to keep track of his lies. In the past, he lied about where Barack Obama was born, about Muslims dancing in the streets of New Jersey on September 11, and his opposition to the war in Iraq just in the last two months. He's lied about the size of the crowd at his inauguration, even whether or not the sun was shining that day. He lied about the size of his Electoral College win, about building the biggest political movement in history, and about three to five million people voting illegally for Hillary Clinton. And, of course, he's lying now about none of his associates having any contact with Russia and about Barack Obama tapping his phones at Trump Tower. I mean, sadly, this is the new reality that all Americans have to live with. We've got a president that we cannot believe. We have a president who has zero respect for the truth. Donald Trump, let's face it, Donald Trump is a pathological liar. This is The Bill Press Show. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. 